Hey, it's Matt. Today we're going to ask ourselves what do steak, foam insulation, and garbage cans all have in common? Well, these are just a few of the pit stops today's guest entrepreneur has made on his roller coaster ride to becoming a self made billionaire, a journey that started at the early age of 15. Join in the conversation today as our guest shares ways to triple your profits without triple the work, how in one year he went from $600 in his bank account to $2 billion, and finally, what three things you need to close high-profit sales. Here's a hint, it has nothing to do with your product. Uh, yeah, Riley Meek here, and uh, I'm the host of the King's Council podcast and run King's Council Coaching we are a, a coaching program for entrepreneurs and uh, uh, really all over the board from uh, new startup businesses to you know Fortune 100 leaders. And uh, we have a primary focus and, and that is really just to, to grow our mindsets and uh, focus on develop our, our core values, understand what our, our mission, our vision and our true purpose in life actually is. Man, my dinner table was non-existent. Uh, <laughs> Really, it was, I grew up in a, a divorced home. My folks had divorced when I was five. Mm -hmm. And so it was a lot of transitioning back and forth. And um, man, I could, I mean, I could probably think of on one hand an actual, the amount of times that we actually sat down at a dinner table together. Wow. Yeah. You know, not, not including like Thanksgiving or Christmas when we have all sorts of other family and, and, and friends over, but uh, just as far as like a normal traditional kind of day in the week, mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't. I don't think I could pinpoint five separate times that that actually happened. Yeah. I would say, you know, it's interesting on, on my mom's side of the family. I, when I looked, look at them now, I think, man, pretty much every single one of them was entrepreneurial, you know, in, in some fashion, mm -hmm. um, you know, had their own business or side hustles and things like that. Um, my, my folks, my dad delivered mail rural route. Um, and my mom was a, uh, you know, a, waitress, kind of a bartender. Um, mm -hmm. But my, my stepdad, uh, my mom married my stepdad when I was eight. And he was, uh, he owned a business, he was uh, an engineer. And so that was really my first kind of concept or understanding of like, truly being being engaged with somebody that actually was able to run their own business, choose their mm -hmm. own hours and, and schedule. And uh, because of that, we, you know, I saw, I saw a lot of things that I didn't want in my life. And then I mm -hmm. had a lot of good examples of what I what I did want. And so it's kind of that rich dad, poor dad kind of concept that I was able to be exposed to, to, to understand what I truly wanted for my own life. You've been an entrepreneur since a really very young age. And so while your friends may have been off doing the usual teenage things, you went a different route. You can't vote, you can't buy alcohol, you can't join the military, but you managed to start your first business. How was life different for you at that time? What lit a fire under you? Yeah, uh, certainly. So, I mean, I took my I took my first job at the age of fifteen, mm -hmm. and it wasn't even because of my my folks wanted me to have a job or anything. It was it was like, man, I wanted a car. You know, you can drive mm -hmm. when you're fourteen in South Dakota. So it's like, I got a girlfriend, man. I want to take her to the to the movies. I need a car, so I'm gonna just yeah. go get a job. And I I worked one eight hour shift because minimum wage at that time was five dollars and fifteen cents an hour. Like, yeah, crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I worked one hour one eight hour shift, and, and then I I ultimately did the math in my head, and I thought, there's no way I'm doing that again. And and so it was an understanding of of 
not in like an arrogant way, but I just knew that my time was more valuable than that, especially mm -hmm. after I took out taxes and everything else. It's like, man, I, I, could, I gotta, there's got to be a better way than to work for this amount per hour. And that was really my, my first understanding of the concept of time and money and, and how to leverage those to, in order to, you know, afford the ability to do the things that you really truly wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I did, Matt, was I, so my family was, a few of my family members were big in the um, network marketing company, Herbalife. Okay. So I, when I, when I realized it was like, okay, I just, an hourly wage position just probably wasn't for me, you know, and it's nothing, nothing for, nothing bad about it. It's just, it wasn't for me. And I thought, uh, you know, I saw uh, some people in my, in my family that were, you know, raising up in the ranks of that company. And it's like, they were traveling, they were going out all these different events. And I thought, this is the life that I want. Mm -hmm. And so um, at the age of 15, uh, my dad had to sign off for me, but I actually became a distributor, oh, an independent wow. distributor for that company. And that was really the start of my entrepreneurial journey. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I owe what, whatever anybody thinks about network marketing, um, I owe a lot of the mindset and just the, the understanding of, of how to think differently to that type of environment. And, you know, it was getting around those uh, like mindsetted people that mm -hmm. were growth minded. And that was my first introduction to just personal development. And, and it was a whole new world that I had never been exposed to before, man. Cause I grew up in South Dakota. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another one of those places where it's a good place to be from. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's just not a whole lot going on there. So I had to actively seek out mentors and, yeah. and just relationships that, that I could glean from. By the time you were in your 20s, you had worked your way up through the ranks of the network marketing company that you were working for, which is incredible. What were some of the ways that you kept yourself so driven at a young age? Some of the the, the OGs, uh, <laughs> um, Zig Ziglar was like yeah. a, a, a big one for me, just from, you know, the understanding of sales. And, you know, I had once a month, I would drive from South Dakota up here to Minneapolis, where I live now, and it's a five-hour drive one way. Mm -hmm. So once a month, I had, you know, 10 hours in the vehicle to drive up here to attend what were called the uh, success training seminars at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, willing to do it. Like I just wanted to be around people that had the fruit in their life that, that I wanted. And, and, you know, not to waste 10 hours in a car. I was, you know, we listened to CDs back then, but in the right. olden days, you yeah. know, the, um, way back when. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so Zig Ziglar, um, you know, the, 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 one of the first books I remember reading was think and grow rich. Yeah. And yeah, it was just, a, it was like a, a different way of thinking that I didn't realize was even a possibility. Mm -hmm. My, my first uh, original mentor, his name was Larry Thompson. He was actually well, the co-founder of, of Herbalife. And uh, he was, uh, he's still, still alive today and uh, is still training people with these concepts wow. of, of, you know, how to, how to think, um, you know, not just, it's not just like thinking optimistically, but how to like actually think think in a manner that is creative and in, in, in a new way of, of just approaching situations or circumstances. And, mm -hmm. you know, with everything, there's, there's a cause and an effect and uh, you know, one, one actually can lead to the other. And um, again, that was just kind of a new way of thinking for me that I just, man, when people talk about drinking the Kool-Aid, I, I drank the Kool-Aid hard yeah. uh, with, with that environment. And again, it's, it's molded a lot of who I am today uh, really because of that. So fast forward, I mean, it was, 
it's easy to just quick fast forward, but there's a lot of highs and lows, ups and downs, sure. uh, you know, in between my very first and, and really what I'm doing now isn't monetarily anything that really makes me a whole lot of money. Uh, mm-hmm. But I have the systems and the, the businesses in place that afford me the ability to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, like I mentioned, the King's Council. Um, but, you know, when I was at when I was 23 years of age, I had uh, I, I'd moved up here to Minnesota, literally the day I graduated high school, I, I moved up here. And uh, through that process, I got just exposed to as much as I, I loved the idea of being an entrepreneur working for yourself. You know, at the end of the day, I, I was like retailing between ten and fifteen thousand dollars a month in freaking nutritional supplements. Yeah, like, yeah. I was hustling. Um, the problem was I didn't have a system in place that other people could duplicate. Like it wasn't, mm-hmm. and that's the idea with network marketing, right? It's like you want to have one percent of a hundred people efforts, not a hundred percent of your own. Right. And I didn't have that system in place. Like I, I was grinding and hustling and making it. You know, I bought my first BMW. I thought I was really something at the age of nineteen. Um, but realized that I was working 16, 17 hours a day and it just wasn't worth it. And so I love the idea of working for yourself and, and earning what you're worth, right? That's what's kind of what they pitch. It's like, if you want to make more, just go, you know, work more or sell more. And I love that, but I never bought into the idea that my earning ability was, was like uncapped because if it was all based upon my, my efforts, I knew that I could emotionally only handle a certain amount of sales pitches in a day. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I transitioned from higher ticket products and, and I've sold so many different things, man, from uh, nutritional supplements to siding and windows to insurance, uh, uh, business valuations, like all over the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, as I, the reason being was I, w- I kept selling higher ticket items to have a higher commission. Right. And, sure. and, yeah. and again, I, I just, that, that was a way for me to, to earn, to increase my earning ability, but it still was all based upon my, my efforts. And so I had actually, I was returning from Mexico on a, a failed business venture mm-hmm. uh, at, again, at the age of 23. And I'd literally at this point in time, I had uh, a failed business venture, meaning I'd invested everything. I'd even leased out my condo here in Minnesota. So I was on a flight back to the States here. I had 673 bucks on my bank account and I was sleeping on my sister's couch. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and because I'd leased out my condo um, and the only smart thing I could do at that time then was I got my wife pregnant, right? Like why, why wouldn't yes. I do that? I'm broken, <laughs> broken and defeated. And, uh, let's, let's bring a baby into the mix. So, um, but uh, through that process, I realized like I was in a situation where it's like, I, what am I going to do? I got to figure this out. I got to provide. And I, I just kept, I was on a, a quest. I was searching like, what's the next opportunity? And I think that's what entrepreneurs really are good at is, mm-hmm. is, you know, head on a swivel, look for opportunities. A lot of people will tell you to, you know, follow your passion. You'll never work a day in your life. I think that's complete BS. Um, mm-hmm. I, and my philosophy is like, I'm going to follow opportunities. And I'm going to bring my passion with me wherever I go. Yeah. And, yeah. and if I can do that, that's what a, a, allowed me to sell so many different things. Um, even, you know, today we sell a lot of different things. Um, but I always bring my passion with me and, and through, through that kind of that journey or that quest of head on a swivel, I was introduced to this concept of selling one to many. Mm-hmm. And really it was, it, I'd never even, you know, it was, I was kind of frustrated that I hadn't even thought about this up until this point. Cause everything that I was doing, I was selling one-on-one where I could take an hour to three, four hours sometimes to, 
try to get somebody to know me, like me, trust me, yeah. and ultimately, you know, buy our products or services. And so I was introduced to this concept of, of seminars, like dinner seminar marketing. And, you know, financial advisors had been doing it for decades prior to this. It's not that I invented this by any means, but it completely blew my mind in the amount of, of time that it could save. And so I got to sit in on this, this gentleman's presentation. I, I went down to a restaurant, uh, a local restaurant, and he had like 23 people in the room that he had invited out uh, through direct mail. And he did his presentation. And at the end of it, he simply asked for an appointment. And he ended up getting like seven appointments out of that thing. And I was like, what? Like, it was that easy. Mm -hmm. And it, it just, it rocked me the whole way home. I was like, this is insane. He did that. We, we hear a lot about building online funnels and this was like an offline funnel. He, he invited people out, did his presentation. And then he's now he's only meeting with those that actually care enough to know how much it is or will mm -hmm. it work for them? Mm -hmm. And, and it was like this, just this, you know, it's like inventing fire for the first time. I couldn't believe it. And so I took that concept. I started my own company in, in 2011 uh, with, again, 600 bucks in my bank account. I, thankfully, I had a credit card I could put some marketing dollars on. Uh, I made a few sales and I kept reinvesting into this, this model. And mm -hmm. fast forward the end of, of that year, I had done 2.1 million in sales. This wow. was July of 2011. And, and then the next in 2012, it was, it allowed me to really buckle down. It's like, okay, this thing works. Let me now hire and train people. And we had done 12 million that year, another 12 million the following year. And it was like, all right, this is a system. The products are relevant. And mm -hmm. that's when we really started to, you know, I stepped back and was working on my business versus in my business. And, and since that time, man, we've, we've, I've started eight different companies. Um, every single one of those, we went to seven, a couple of those, we hit eight figures within the very first year of each wow. that, um, you know, I still have a, a few of those operating up and going that are great. And at the end of the day, again, it, it comes down to the system that's in place. Mm -hmm. Um, the product is virtually irrelevant, uh, you know, to a degree it, it, they need to be higher ticket type items in order to afford the ability to do marketing for that. But those systems are now what, what are in place that allow me to really do what I in, enjoy doing, um, as I mentioned before, which is really just focusing on helping other entrepreneurs implement their systems mm -hmm. um, or implement th this system or new systems into their business that allow them to focus on what they truly enjoy and what they want to do with their lives. So you've been very successful over the years and built many businesses that sell a variety of products and services. Uh, everything from intangibles like your coaching services to foam insulation for homes. If you had to pinpoint just one change that translated across all of those in industries that led to success for you, what would you say that would be? Exactly. And, and that's really, it was the system in place that, that worked. Um, now, obviously I wanted to, you know, morally and ethically, they need to be good products, good services. Right. Right. Sure. Um, they need to be higher ticket. You know, like these need to be something in which you can actually probably net profit a, at least a couple grand per sale, because yeah, it's going to take that to, to fill an event um, with your ideal client. Right. So mm -hmm. what we do, you know, through that process, it was okay. I, the first thing that I was selling, man, was literally insulation for homes. Okay. Residential LED light, how to make homes more energy efficient, warmer in the, the um, winter, cooler in the summer. Mm -hmm. And, and then from there, um, we moved on to other products. Like uh, we did, we did bathroom remodels. 
Um, we moved into aging in place products, um, a barrier free shower, stair lifts, uh, really just things that that were a need, but maybe not necessarily a want, right? Because mm -hmm. I, I believe people, people don't buy what they need, they buy what they want. Right. And the, the amazing thing about a a seminar and why I call that company the social dynamic selling system is that there's a social dynamic that takes place in any conversation, whether it's mm -hmm. online or in person, there's just a dynamic that's taking place. And so we take people on that emotional journey to, you know, really look inward of themselves and, and I, you know, through story format, I'm taking them on that journey to understand what it would really actually feel like to have the benefits of, of those products or the services that I'm actually, you know, ultimately looking to sell. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I gain that no, that like, and ultimately the trust, uh, they're going to just naturally want to do business with us uh, for a number of reasons. One is people want to do business with those they know, like, and trust, but also yeah. there's other dynamics in place, like the law of reciprocity. I, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm literally buying somebody a dinner to listen to me talk for yeah. a period yeah. of time. And, and so there is that, that law of reciprocity. Now I'm going to ask for an appointment. So they're socially, you know, that's not always the case, but they're kind of socially obligated to at least give me the time. Mm -hmm. um, if, if they're interested now, if they're not interested at all, I'm not interested in wasting my time. Right. right. Hopefully I did a, a dynamic enough presentation to actually get them over the edge uh, to take a look at this from, uh, you know, something they want to purchase, or even if it is a service that they're looking to get as well. So Industry-wise, man, you had said, so it's like insulation to home remodeling to, you know, we're in the solar industry, I have an insurance agency. Medically, um, we, we work with a number of doctors. Uh, in the real estate world, we, we um, fill events for, with accredited investors mm -hmm. um, for people looking to fund their, their syndicates or things along those lines. So we're, we're all over the board. Um, but again, it's, if you're selling a $48 widget yeah. or a real estate course that you know, rah, 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 rush to the back of the room. That's definitely not what we are. Okay. We're more of a two-step approach. We want to gain that, that end user, that end client's trust to ultimately do business with us and, and build that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And, and providing that, that free steak dinner is a great way to actually make that happen. All right. So for our listeners out there who might be struggling to move your business over that proverbial hump to the next level, it might help to take a step back and look at the systems that you're using. And if you don't have any systems at all, that's okay too. You might be new or you might not have really ever considered any of this. But next, we're going to dive into how to develop some systems that will work for you in your particular situation. With so many leads pouring in, how can you be sure that you're getting the right leads that are going to produce results for your company? Yeah. Yeah. So early on, man, I thought this thing was like piece of cake, right? I'm going to find a, a place, private room. I'm going to, you know, buy a mailing list and just send some postcards out. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I learned early on that that's not, it's not, it's not that simple. Um, if it was, you know, everybody would probably be doing it, but yeah. nowadays we can actually, we, we start with the end in mind, you know, as with anything, it's like, okay, what is your product or your service? Mm -hmm. And, you know, what, what truly is it? What are the benefits of it? And then ultimately who wants it and who, who's going to buy it? Mm -hmm. And, and then where do they shop? Okay. And it's not like, uh, are you know, are they online shoppers? Are they, uh, are they going to, do they want to walk into a store? We have to figure all of that out early on in order to craft the, the right type of marketing piece that's going to speak to them. Mm -hmm. um, and then ultimately, 
we we buy list we we buy there's a ton of data out there unfortunately the amount of info that people know about us is kind of scary yeah, um, yeah. and i have the ability to buy that and so um so if if i'm uh looking to target uh let's go with uh mansfield ohio since you're okay. in okay in ohio cool <laughs> uh you know a smaller smaller community but yeah. i can actually buy find a local restaurant in that area so literally throw a dart at a map um and I'll find a restaurant that has a private room, you know, and preferably I, I don't necessarily like to do these in a hall or even in a hotel conference room. I like to find them in a, in a local, hopefully maybe a family owned and operated restaurant that the rest mm -hmm. of the community likes. And it's in partly because it's a neutral environment, right? Sure. They're not coming yeah. into your office or my office or it, uh, me coming into their home. It's like, there's always a way out. Like they're not going to get pressured. You know, I'm not yeah. going to, it's not like a timeshare presentation. So, right. Right. And, and it's probably a familiar place that they've already been. Right. So parking's not a problem. I'm not doing this like downtown Cleveland where you got to validate part. Like, I don't want to do yeah. any of that. I'd want to provide it in a, a neutral environment that they're, they're familiar with. Um, and we call ahead of time. We're negotiating pricing with the restaurants and, and uh, we have, you know, timeframes and everything set up. So, we know exactly or our sales guys know exactly what they're what they're should be expected when they arrive. Um, and then, you know, through that data that we bought, if I wanted to target uh, blonde hair, blue eyed, left handed people that, um, you know, go that shop at Dick Sporting Goods. Right. I don't know. I'm throwing it all up there. But, right. you know, we can get pretty, pretty narrowed within this. But for the most part, if I'm looking to fill an event, I don't want to get too niche. Right. Yeah. I just, so typically we're, we're buying, uh, again, depending upon the product, single family dwelling units, like, do they own the home? Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and, you know, especially mm -hmm. if I'm trying to uh, market something that, that would be installed on their home, like I got to make sure they own it. They're not renters. Uh, we narrow it down household income. Um, if it's uh, somebody like I'm looking to fill events for that, that have uh, high net worths, individuals or income producing assets of half a million plus. So I know they have the ability to actually invest into things if, yeah. if need be. So, and, and then from there, it's, you know, we're, we're not just blasting this out like, hello, neighbor, this isn't every door direct mail. This is, uh, you know, Mr. Shields, uh, you and your spouse are invited on out to a free steak dinner to come learn about yada, yada, yada at, you know, the local restaurant of mm -hmm. wherever, whatever we booked. And so it's, it's a nice touch. Like that's our first touch with with the individual and the biggest thing with this is continuity from marketing to the sale right yeah. and, and if yeah. there's anything that that i feel like we've been we've really perfected it is that process from them actually rsvping whether it's in the phone call or online uh and then ultimately we're, we're calling to confirm for them to show up at the appropriate time and then we've learned some different kind of hacks to make that uh, to go from a 60 to 70% show up rate to over 90% wow. of our registrants show up every single time. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it, there's a lot that goes into it uh, to actually put on a, a good solid event that ultimately, again, I could fill the room though. If you got if you're a, a, a dope when it comes to doing a presentation, right. There's not, yeah, I mean, we can't can train help that. you yeah. on that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But it, there is, you know, ultimately there's, there's, there's six measurables, that we actually track on every single one of our events that we're able to, from a distance, coach people and really consult them on, on what to do next or what adjustments they need to make mm -hmm. on the fly in order to get the results that we're looking for. Again, back to that, starting with the end in mind, what is the ROI that I need 
in order to make this a long-term approach to our existing marketing strategy. So 99.9% of our marketing is direct mail. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I love saying that because that exact response is what I, what I usually (laughs) get. And it's, it's this for a couple of reasons. One is, well, I love it when people tell me that direct mail is dead because I've, I'm happy that they think that because it it's a less cluttered platform for me to use. Yeah, uh, and so it p- p- partly why we love direct mail, and it's not always going to be the case, but the majority, you, you got to it comes back to okay, who do I need to show up at my event? Yeah, and if it's somebody that's you know B to B, if I'm trying to get a CEO that uh, it, to show up at my event and I don't have his home address, I've got to send something to this his workplace in which he's not checking his mail. I wouldn't use direct mail, right? I would yeah. get a little bit, little bit uh, craftier on getting something in that person's hands that's going to bypass the gatekeeper, somebody that would, yeah. would you know, be looking to, um, you know, get rid of any junk mail, right? Because at the end of the day, that's what a lot we're exactly. selling. It's considered junk mail. Yep. Um, so I got to make it attractive enough to get into their hands. But partly why I love direct mail is the type of person that it actually attracts. And when I'm, what, what I mean by that is we'll just use, use solar, for example, because I'm, I'm literally uh, after this podcast, man, I'm, I'm heading out to go run some solar appointments for cool. a new client that, that we onboarded. Uh, we did seminars the last couple of days. And so what, what I mean by that is if somebody that's online or they're looking, you know, pay-per-click, they're, they're searching, that type of per- person is a shopper. Mm-hmm. Right. They're, mm-hmm. they're looking, they're, they're probably getting multiple bids. They're, they're getting quotes on things and nothing wrong with that. Um, it's just that person is probably the, not the type of person in which I can get a quick decision on mm-hmm. whether the decision is mm-hmm. yes or no. I, I, what, what the beautiful thing that this system actually does, Matt, is, is it, it gets people to make decisions. And, you know, from the time where we send, you know, my first connection with them is, literally over the garbage can, like they're getting, they're checking their mail over the garbage can. So I need to have a attractive enough piece that's going to get them to go, Oh, what's this, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want them to chuck it in the mail. So I got to catch them right away. And then ultimately I need to get them to either pick up the phone or hop online and RSVP for this event. So that type of person makes decisions. And, and that's the type of person that I want to be at my event in order for when I ask for the appointment, make the decision to, to give me an appointment or, or not. Right. Or, and then when I go to the home and I ask them to make the decision is it a yes or it is a no, that they're going to at least be able to make that decision versus sure. the Ola. I want to think about it. So, um, and you know, take, taking that aside, still direct mail has the highest return on results, uh, than any other media that we've used. We've done it all from Facebook and, and SEO and everything like that to fill events return on results because I can get a, 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 a higher return on a lead, but mm-hmm. a physical person, a button, a seat that shows up to my event that actually buys my products, not even close that direct mail takes it every single time. The six things, um, and I'll, I'll relate this to direct mail since we're talking about that is, is I'm going to get a response rate, right? Yeah. So if let's say I'm going to send 10,000 direct mail pieces I'm going to get, I'm sending them out. I'm going to get a response rate. Those that I've actually picked up the phone and called or went online and registered for the event. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, I need to make sure that that person actually shows up to the event. So we call that our confirmation rate, yep. right? How many people that said yes, actually confirm that they're going to show up to the event. And then there's the actual show up rate, 
right? If, if I confirm them, did I actually get them to show up? Mm-hmm. And the importance of measuring all of these is from afar, if I've got a hundred sales guys out in the field that are doing this, I need to know where we dropped the ball. Was it the marketing piece that didn't yeah. fill the room or, or was it our, our 24 seven RSVP people that are dropping the ball and maybe saying something they shouldn't have to get them to respond or maybe my sales guy that's supposed to show up at the event didn't actually do his confirmation calls, even though he said he did. Yeah. And so these are the things that I'm able to track. From there, I get my actual appointment rate. So I, I do my presentation for the 50 people that showed up at the event. How many appointments did I actually get? And again, right. that's going to be based upon uh, we've, we've tracked everything. And now how good a presentation did you do? Yeah. And by good, I don't mean you stand up and get a round of applause. Actually, it, it if that ever happens and I do my present, when I do my presentation, it's like that Achilles heel for me because it's like, I don't get any appointments from those. If, if I did a, my, my goal in those events is not to educate and, and, you know, entertain my goal is to get appointments. Yeah. And, and every single one of these has one specific goal and, and through the, through this process. So if we can focus on that one specific goal, one at a time, not rushing to the next, um, that's how this is a, a, a foolproof system where it works. Then the, we've got the response rate, man. Now, now it's, it's like, or excuse me, the appointment rate. Now it's actually the show up rate for the appointment. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. varies dependent upon if I'm having them come to meet me or what I recommend is always go to them. Yep. Okay. So if, if I'm going right to their home or wherever, you know, meet me at a coffee shop, whatever it is, uh, whatever they feel comfortable, but um, I want to make sure that I'm actually getting into 80 to 90% of the homes that actually gave me that appointment. And then our close rate um, for, you know, when we actually make the sale and then there's the old pesky, the, always the stick rate, right. Uh, where did the, did the sale actually f- complete the process yeah. to actually get installed or whatever it is, that product or service that, that we're, um, we're ultimately selling. I love so, it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So this is where it, it gets a little tricky depending upon what, what we're selling mm-hmm. and, and, you know, what, what the actual net profit is within that product. Because for example, I can go out today and sell a $60,000 solar deal, which mm-hmm. sounds like a lot, but there may only be seven grand in net profit from that. Right. Okay. Right. Which is, is fine. That's still seven grand. Right. Yeah. Um, versus somebody that's selling uh, information or education where it's like seven grand sale is seven grand. Like that's, yeah. that's great. Yeah. So all of that, every industry is going to be a little bit different. This is why we, I always start out with a strategy call with somebody just to determine if this makes sense to even mm-hmm. proceed um, it. But from there, we're going to look at, okay, I need X amount of sales in order to recoup this in investment. And, and mm-hmm. it, all of it comes down to what I had coined earlier, return on results. And my ultimate goal, no matter what your product or your service actually is, is to have a 300% ROI on on any marketing campaign. So if I'm going to spend for easy numbers, $10,000 to fill this series of events, can I actually walk away with Mm $30,000? If I can, I'm running that baby all day long. And if I can't, or if I if it's a higher number or even a lower number, can we look at maybe I'm not spending enough on marketing or I'm spending too much on marketing? Because it could be one way or the other, but that 300% seems to be a that that sweet spot for us. That if I can do that consistently, our, our tagline is to have a a sustain a predictable 
a sustainable, and then if it's sustainable, ultimately a scalable selling system that I can take from market to market to market. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. really the idea of this concept for a company to go from a growth phase to actually a scale phase um, when, when they are looking to expand into other markets. And we've heard this before, but you need to know, like, and trust the person. These are the three things that you need to close those high profit sales, those high ticket items. The product kind of really doesn't matter that terribly much. You've mentioned that your goal is to always realize a 300% return on your marketing investment, which is a pretty lofty goal, I would say, and you constantly reach that. How important are your processes and systems in getting that 300% ROI each and every time? Yeah, we we do. So it it started with, okay, I'm, I'm a firm believer that you know, I only do, I only follow mentors or, or coaches that actually have gone before me and done that. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, and I, that's a, a word of wisdom for anybody listening. Like there's plenty of people that have advice out there, mm -hmm. but take a look at who's actually giving you the advice, right? There's yeah. plenty of broke people that want to find, tell you all the financial advice in the world and how everybody else is doing it wrong. So um, I've, I've lived by that philosophy. It's like, I want to look for the fruit in the person's life that I want. Like mm -hmm. what type of fruit do I want? I'm, I don't care who the person is. If they've got it, I'm going to go figure out how they got it. Yep. And, and that's what I've done to, you know, when I paid for coaches or consulting through that process. And so as I was developing this, this ultimately this system, which I didn't know was going to develop into this, that's, that's what I was doing. And, you know, starting my next company, next company, next company, it was finally that kind of epiphany where it's like, I don't give a rip about any of these products or these services that I'm selling. Like there's gotta be more. This is, it's, it's almost like, it, this sounds terrible, but it was almost like, I don't want to just start another product or another mm -hmm. company. And what I loved was working with people. And, and I thought, man, there's, it, there's great people out there, great products, great services but you can have the greatest product in the world, but if nobody knows about it, you're not helping anybody, including yourself. Like yeah. if you build it, they do not come. I don't care right, what the right. movie <laughs> tells us, they don't come. You gotta have a system in place of, of a consistent system of leads and then ultimately sales into your business. Mm -hmm. And so I thought this, this is the product. Like I could teach people how to, how to grow their business through this product. And that's when we really transitioned into consulting um, about, you know, six, seven years ago now, where we were then teaching people how to do this, where we can fill the events, uh, we can take all, you know, we can book the events, we can fill the events, we can build your presentation on how to actually uh, take people on that emotional journey. Um, we've hired, we've trained sales teams, but you know, in an ideal world, we kind of train the trainer. So you're able to not have to be reliant on us long term. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, while I still have my companies in place, I'm still able to help others. Uh, grow their companies and take their products to the marketplace as well. So yeah, we, we have a, a complete done for you system all the way up to, Hey, just fill the events and I'm, I'm good to go. Uh, really just depends on what level of engagement somebody wants to work with this. At. I love it. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I wrote a book that explains all of this called food for thought, how to use dinner seminar marketing to grow your business. Um, and, and through that course then, or through that book, we I've created an online course that, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people have gone through to just learn how to do this. And just like you said, man, everything from, okay, understanding what is it that I, I'm really selling, mm -hmm. right? It's the old analogy, like people don't buy a drill because they want a drill, they want a hole. 
But we go so much deeper than that. Like nobody wants a hole because what the heck's a hole going to do? Yeah. You don't even want the, the screw in the hole because what is that going to do except snag your shirts when you go by? Right, right. You want the picture, but what, why do they even want the picture? It's like the feeling of pride or emotion that, that's going to be attached to that. And so that's where we teach people how to get to the benefits of the benefits of the benefits of whatever mm-hmm. it is that we're selling. Once I've got that, then I can attach a story to that and, and create the copy to, to speak to the right individual or individuals that would want this type of product. And so we start with that, and then we walk people through this process and design this entire campaign to have the, the right group of people in the room for you to speak to, because it doesn't do any good just to talk to anybody if they can't afford it, or if they're yeah. not, you know, they don't even, if it's, if you're selling a product only to women and you got a room full of guys, I mean, we got to get, we got to figure out who exactly we're selling to. And that's how we, we, the continuity from the marketing to the sales process, how that all flows together is, is a key component to all of it. In regards to, we talked a ton about social dynamic, which is great. I, yeah. I love that. So uh, I'm not even prepared to where to send people today. The best <laughs> pos- po- probably place is like a uh, social dynamic selling.com. Okay. That's yep. our, our home site. Um, and that'll, that'll explain our process. You can actually schedule a strategy call on that site. Uh, and, and it's a free call because I wouldn't, I mean, you can go buy the book on Amazon and in our course, we charge a thousand bucks for, you can do that. But Hey, I would just say schedule a call. And then myself or somebody on the team will actually tell you if this makes sense or not. Right. Mm-hmm, Cause I don't want you mm-hmm. spending money on something that doesn't going to make sense for you. So a schedule a call first, completely free. And then we'll be able to guide you in the, in the right steps. Um, if the product or service you're selling will actually make sense. So the, the King's Council is our, it's my coaching company, uh, which is really, we're a faith-based coaching program for entrepreneurs. So mm-hmm. through, through you know, I, I'm a firm believer, money only makes us more of who we already are. And when yeah. I started to make a lot of it, I realized I wasn't that good of a dude, Matt. Like yeah. I, I just wasn't. And And thankfully God never took his hand off me to uh, that allowed me to to go through some stupid mistakes, divorce, mm-hmm. uh, business, you know, incredible successes, incredible failures, um, and and I've had was able to learn a lot through that process. And then also through that, I realized I was teaching people how to make money that had the same problem that I was dealing with. Yeah, sure. And foundationally, they didn't know who they were, and and so my passion really kind of birthed through COVID and and that whole thing of like. I don't, I, I can't leave this world the way it is. And it, it, mm-hmm. life, life is way more about way more than just making money. Yes, money is important, but it's a tool and it's more important what we do with it. And so as I was teaching people how to make money, I realized I wanted to make sure foundationally uh, in their family life, everything was solid uh, before we teach them how to continue to make, make money and create wealth. Um, and really have that legacy, that lasting impact that will, you know, not just serve this generation, but for many, many ge- generations to come. And so that, that's my passion project. As I mentioned, that's really where, um, you know, we have hundreds of people within our community, but it is a, a faith-based community of kingdom entrepreneurs mm-hmm. um, here in the U.S. And really, we have a few from, you know, from all over the world at, at this point. So it was, man, I, I gave my life to Christ at the age of 16. Um, and I didn't really realize what that, you know, prior to that, I had no clue that there was a difference between religion and relationship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when I had given my life to Christ, like I had an incredible um, few years of just amazing relationships with some, some bros. 
And mm -hmm. as I started to make money, I started to distance myself from any people that had any foundational uh, truth in their life. And the power of uh, who we hang out with, man, it, there's, yeah. it's, it's extremely powerful. And I found myself being influenced more than I was being an influence. Um, and, you know, when you have financially the ability to do what you want, when you want, where you want, you make a lot of stupid decisions. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And, and thankfully, again, God never took his hand off of me. And really over the, the past few years, uh, I'm, you know, remarried now, and we have an incredible relationship. And, and that's really our, our desire. And, and here's the thing. Here's one thing I, I learned, Matt, is you can be incredibly successful at a lot of things and still feel like a failure. Sure. And, absolutely. And the reason why is if you're not operating within the God-given intended purpose of why you were created, you will continue to seek success in other areas. And that's what I did. Why company after company after company, it's kind of like you can buy a treadmill. A treadmill makes a very successful coat hanger, right? It, it, we hang clothes, mm -hmm. but it, it's not being operated for the God-given intended purpose of why the creator made it. And yeah. when I had that realization um, that allowed me to now, again, financially, I can afford to do what I do now because I have the businesses set up and things on autopilot and in place. And, and that's really what I love because uh, again, back to, if you follow your passion, you'll never work a day in your life. I don't really believe that's true because I've met a lot of people where their passion is serving in the mission field, for example, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like that's amazing if you want to do that, but at the end of the day, you still got to eat. You need a place right. to live. You got, you got pride, you got, you got bills, right? Yeah. We all got bills. And so right. why can't we create businesses that create money income passively that will afford us the ability to go do and pursue the, the, the God given intended purpose of why we were really truly created to be on this earth. Well, that's it for Riley Meek. I hope you enjoyed our conversation here today. And if you would like to learn more on scaling your business, make sure to listen to episode number 140 here on Pass the Secret Sauce. Odds are, if you're hearing my voice right now, you may be a self-made business owner who feels like living the dream, but the problem is I'm completely unhappy and unfulfilled. And it's like, I looked at my life and I'm like, I should be happy. This is so frustrating. I sacrificed so much and I worked so hard to get to this point just to realize that I'm unhappy and I'm unfulfilled. Then yes, this podcast is here to help. My life goal, probably much like yours, is to leave a lasting legacy that mattered. On the Pass the Secret Sauce podcast, I share with you everything that I've learned and uncovered from other successful entrepreneurs about building a business and a life with the financial freedom that allows us to give back to others. Let's face it though, it's going to take years for me to share what I know and what I'm able to learn from others in these free weekly episodes. And the truth is, you know, here's the idea, it's fully fleshed out. No, the thing is, you're never gonna have a lightning bolt perfect idea. Like, it always starts with little things. So if you are waiting for that lightning bolt to come, it's not gonna happen. You need to take action now. If you're really committed to leaving a legacy that mattered by improving your life and your business faster than you could solo, then I sincerely invite you to our Secret Sauce Mastermind. This is a program that I put together so that I can rub elbows with and learn frameworks and systems from extremely skilled and successful individuals. 
That way, every member, myself included, can shortcut our learning curves. Unlike many masterminds where content is static, we poll our members monthly to find out what the most common struggles are currently, and then we leverage our network and the power of the podcast to bring in experts to help brainstorm unique solutions to our problems. You'll be able to interact directly with our experts on live Zoom calls and also be able to reference our growing historical content library. As a group, we will guide each other through personal and professional challenges while you incubate your legacy in a group who understands not just your goals, but also what makes you, you. If you're interested in applying for the mastermind, simply email application at passthesecretsauce.com.